You're listening to another edition of the Full Court Press on 106.9 The Fan with Eric Franson and AJ Salveson. To get the latest content, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Don't forget the Full Court Press airs Monday through Friday on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM The Fan, and you can stream the show on 106.9thefan.com. Joining us here on the Full Court Press, he is the Utah Jazz beat writer from The Athletic. Does terrific, terrific work. Um, in fact, wrote a great article on Rudy's and Donovan's relationship. Uh, you know, if... I just if it's repaired or how it can be repaired and such. Uh Tony, my man, thanks for joining us. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh I you know, I think you ask us how are we? We're okay, but we're not the ones who sat inside a Chesapeake Arena for I don't know how late at night, uh, and through like one of the most craziest situations I've ever heard beat writers have to sit through. I know you've had to recount the experience probably a thousand and one times. I'm gonna ask you to do it one more time though for us. <laughs> Anything for you guys. It was um it was it was crazy it was surreal um you know it was one of those things where um you know your instincts are to be a reporter and do your job um but at the same time you're worried about your overall personal health um you know so you know the 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 members of the traveling media we just had to be patient and we rank we were in constant communication with the NBA. We were in uh, contact with the Jazz. You know, the, I think the key context is nobody knew what was going on, so it was just kind of like everybody was just trying to figure out what was going on on the fly. Um, and then, you know, and then you know, we finally got tested. We, you know, it took the whole thing took about six hours. The entire experience from when the game got canceled to when uh, we walked out of the arena. Um, it's funny that you asked me this question because last Wednesday seems like six months ago. And it was only seven days ago. And so much has happened since then, um, including being in, like, you know, a major earthquake uh, uh, this morning. So it's, it's, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting week for sure. It, well, as you said, it's been a very interesting year in the NBA with what happened in China, uh, the 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 Daryl Morey tweet and the firestorm that created, uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, tragic passing, uh, and now this. I mean, th- this is certainly going to go down as one of the most bizarre NBA seasons and th- things outside of what actually happens on the court of play. But how does this now uh, uh, affect? where things are going to be for the NBA. I mean, we just find out just the other day that four New Jersey Nets players, New Jersey, there you go again, with the old habits, Brooklyn Nets players tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, does that, or, or, do you see that the NBA calendar is really going to be starting again when they say it is, or does it now look like it may even be pushed back further? No, the, I think the, the answer to that question is, Let's see, Tony, we're kind of having a hard time hearing you. I don't know if you can get in a potentially a better spot. Is that better? There we go. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the biggest answer to that question is that nobody knows, right? Like, I think, you know, we're in a position right now to where um, the, the, coron- the, the coronavirus health situation is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I think we're in a position where we have to consistently uh, reassess 
um, you know, just constantly. So we have to reassess in two weeks and then reassess in four weeks and then six weeks and so on and so on because, you know, I don't think that the NBA or any uh, major league could come back until this thing kind of flatlines a little bit. And we don't know when that's going to be. Um, you know, it could be easy to say, well, we could get a, um, a vaccine. And I do, I do believe that we can eventually develop a vaccine. But, you know, I think that that's, you know, 12 to 14 months down the road. Um, you know, I know that the, the league and, the, and its owners, because of, so, because of so much money at stake, uh, from so many different uh, places, I know that there's hope that uh, we can continue over the summer um, and, and and get back to where we left off. But you know that's not anywhere near uh, a guarantee. And you know I can honestly see a scenario where you know there's there's no NBA, and I can see a scenario where uh, there's no NBA for the rest of the season, uh, coupled with there's a delay to the start of next season. I mean, I think we have to realize how serious um, we're in with the coronavirus. Um, this is something that um, this is something that I, I think the vast majority of Americans are going to be exposed to before we're finished. I want you to put you on your commissioner hat for just a moment. If and when this NBA season does resume. Would you rather finish out the 18 regular season games or do you just skip it, go straight to postseason, and move on? Um, I have two answers to the question. Sure. Um, I would rather play the 18 regular, regular season games that are remaining because if you go straight to the playoffs after – Guys haven't been playing. Guys have been on on playing Call of Duty for a month and a half. <laughs> you're gonna have some bad basketball, and you're gonna expose guys to injury. Um, but I I think I, I think that best case scenario is if we come back mid to late June, or if we come back early July, you know you're just gonna have to go straight to playoffs because it takes two months for the playoffs to to be played. Um, so if you come back mid June, let's say you come back June 15th, you're still playing games. You're still playing games on August 8th, most likely. Okay. Um, August around August 11th, that's when your schedule comes out for the new year. Um, what do you do with the draft? What do you do with free agency? Um, you could probably go with no summer league, so you could cancel that. What about the pre-draft process? What about the, 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 the beauty of the NBA is that its regular season has become um, almost, um, you know, almost as intriguing and almost as, busy, almost as busy in some spots as the regular season. Um, its off-season has become almost as intriguing as, as the regular season. So... Um, there's it's, there's a lot to having an, an NBA offseason. So if you're still playing games on August 8th, you most likely have to delay the start of the 2020-2021 season uh, and whether you play 82 games or whether you play uh, a shortened season there, you're going to have decisions to make there. So, you know, I, I almost think that 
when you come back, you have to just come back and go straight to the playoffs uh, and try to finish up as, as quickly as you can. Again, we're talking to Tony Jones, beat writer for the Utah Jazz, for The Athletic. Always does great work. And uh, one of the pieces that you've done here recently was examining the current relationship between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Um, initial reports, that I mean, based on some of their social media posts, it looked like it's, well, that maybe Donovan Mitchell was harboring some ill will towards Rudy Gobert and maybe some of his careless actions. We were uncertain if that was... Look, we were looking into things, if other people were trying to blow this up more than it really is. But based on some of the things that you've looked into, it like there may be something there. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely something there. Um, you know, so it's just a matter of whether they can work through it and, and, and sit down and cooler heads can prevail. I tend to think yes. Uh, I don't think their problems are their issues are serious enough to to where we we get to to a point where it's it's a point of no return. Um, you know, I do think that that there's some 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 hard feelings towards uh, Rudy, not not just from Donovan, but from others in the locker room. Um, but you know, I, I think Rudy understands that. You know, he made a mistake on Monday. I don't think he made a mistake in terms of, you know, you know, touching so touching reporters' microphones that didn't give that didn't give anybody the coronavirus. You know, it was just the principality and, and the message that is sent um, of of just kind of being callous towards the whole thing. That was what was the bad look. Um, but you know, I think that you know Rudy's been really vigilant and really good, uh, you know, since his positive diagnosis. Um, you know, he, he apologized publicly. Um, you know, he's trying to take uh, a lead in, in coronavirus awareness. Uh, that's been really good. Obviously, he, you know, he pledged a, a significant monetary commitment, um, you know, to help against the coronavirus. That's been really good. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, I'm sorry, I just felt a, there's a minor aftershock coming oh. where I'm at right now. So at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, Rudy's done a lot uh, to kind of atone for, for that misstep. Um, you know, and I think, you know, just behind closed doors, I just think that Donovan and Rudy just have to have a conversation or some conversations and, and, you know, I think the Jazz just need to just go ahead and figure out a way to put this behind them. Tony, I, I know and I understand if you don't want to answer this question, but you being the professional reporter you are and so damn good at your job, were you a little bit or even at all miffed at the way Adrian Rojanaski came out with his tweet about Donovan and Rudy and the Jazz players and, and just to open up the coronavirus situation? Well, you know, I, I have great respect for, for Adrian. Um I think he's the best in the business at what he does. Uh, and I think that's obvious. Um, you know, I, I do think that I wish he had worded that differently. Um, but at the end of the day, you know what? I mean, every word that he said in the tweet was turned out to be accurate. Um, especially, you know, when, you know, I did, uh, I went and did my own reporting. So, 
you know, you can't get mad at a guy for being accurate. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was brutal honesty. Now, where I think the unfortunate part from that tweet is, um, that, you know, it just set off such a firestorm, um, to where Rudy got so beat up on social media that, you know, I think that that part wasn't fair to, to Rudy because, you know, like, like I said before, you know, he didn't give anybody the coronavirus by touching reporters' microphones. Um, he didn't, to be honest, he didn't even expose anybody as a high risk. You know, we were given um, a message from the, from the Utah Health Department that any microphone that Rudy touched on Monday, those guys, the, the, the mic, the, the, that reporter of that microphone was considered low risk. Um, so they didn't have to, at that point, there was nobody even had to self quarantine. Um, so, you know, Rudy didn't put anybody in jeopardy, uh, by touching microphones. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, Twitter and social media acting like he was patient zero and acting like, you know, the, the entire virus was because of him. That was really unfair. But, you know, I mean, as as Donovan's Good Morning America um, interview shows, I mean, Adrian was white right in what he tweeted. He was accurate. So you can only get so mad at a guy when he's accurate, whether, you know, you like the words, the wording or, or not. Uh, I got to ask you, I know it's off topic and off, and off base, but how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Um I, you know, I'm, I, I want to be off quarantine, but I still have eight more days to go. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I would really love to, to, you know, when I do get off quarantine, um, you know, I'm going to be very careful. I'm still going to spend the majority of my time at the house. Um, you know, I'm still going to, you know, uh, do my best to avoid avoid large crowds, but man, I would just, I just want to just, you know, get out of <laughs> get out of my room, and and you know, hang out with my kids and hang out with my wife, and I, I can't do any of that right now for another eight days. So that part is really tough, um, but you know, because I was um, directly exposed to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, um, it's something that I just have to do. You're talking to Tony Jones, a beat writer for The Athletic, covers the Utah Jazz. Um, and with some of the things going on in the NBA, uh, where let's step away from what's me, the, what the future might hold with when play might resume or everything like that. Let, let's look at where the Jazz were. The moment of the NBA was before that, that fateful Wednesday night. Was this team positioned to, to make a run? in the Western Conference. They've had their ups and downs this season. Uh, they were looking like maybe they could start to get things back on track, but then there was still some uncertainty with how that Toronto game played out. Before all this went down, how would you have assessed the the health and the future of the Utah Jazz in a playoff run? Well, they were certainly in a position to make a run. I mean, they're in the fourth spot of the Western Conference. They were 41-23. and 23. Um, Last Wednesday was a big game. Uh, against Oklahoma City, um, 
So, I mean, they were certainly in position. The question is whether they would have, whether they could have defended enough to, to make a run, whether, you know, they could have been cohesive enough on the floor uh, to make a run. And those were, those were big questions. Um, but, you know, they, they would have been in the middle of um, a pretty difficult schedule had things not got halted. Um, there was Oklahoma City on Wednesday. They would have had the New Orleans Pelicans and uh, Memphis Grizzlies over the weekend. Um, they would have had a back-to-back against the Los Angeles Lakers. In fact, they would have been playing against the Los Angeles Lakers uh, in Staples Center tonight. Um, so, you know, they would have certainly had uh, their opportunity to to um, prove that they could make a run a real run for, you know, prove that they were just one of those uh, teams that uh, were really good, um, but kind of a notch below, um, kind of a notch below the, uh, the, the, the real contender. So it would have been interesting to see which way they would have gone. Um, and, and I hope that we get a chance to see, I hope that we get a chance to see the remainder of the season for them. I know you're a big fan from a media standpoint of Sam Merrill and the Mish Keta. Sam Merrill's historic three nights in Vegas. Uh, I don't know if you got to see the game or even see highlights. Oh, you... I, I, I watched my boy Sam. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't get that twisted. That's my guy. I watched him. Well, Trust he's me. obviously a big fan of you. As he's he's putting it out on Twitter very much. A, a huge fan of you. Uh, the most famous person to reach out to that, him after yeah, the show. How about that? I, I, listen, listen. <laughs> don't listen to that. I, I said that. Hey, I, I have no I, idea what he was talking about. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you, uh, you having your ear so close to the tracks in regards of NBA, is there a chance that Sam can make the league? Oh, yeah. Is there teams involved, like interested in him? Do you know? I mean, you don't have to be give specifics, but do you feel like teams will be interested in him and playing in the NBA? So. I know you have to be careful. You know, this is, you know, it's, I know that I, I will estimate that if let, let's say this was a regular like we didn't have any we didn't have any stoppages or anything right yeah um, I believe that he would have had at least twenty twenty workouts twenty workouts with at least twenty NBA teams <laughs> um, I talked to a um, I, I talked to one of my uh, one of my scouting sources. I'm going to put this out as not with the Jazz, just to, to be clear. And I and I asked about Sam, and you know, he told me that he has no doubt that Sam could play in the NBA offensively. Just the question is defensively, um, who can he guard and what can he guard? But they, but after watching him this year. You know, they the thought is that he can certainly play in the league offensively. Now, Sam's issue is that he is what is he? Is he twenty four or is he twenty five? He'll be twenty four in two months. Right. So that's Sam's issue. That's that that's his issue, and mm. uh, that's one of his issues. And his and his second issue is, um, you know, he's got to prove that he can guard at that level. Um, I think he can play point guard. Um, for 15 minutes a night in the league, and, and be and be a solid backup because 
He's so good off the dribble. He's so good in pick and roll. Um, he can score in so many ways. He doesn't need the basketball to be effective. He can spot up and shoot. Um, he can do. He could just do a lot of things. Um, just the question for for him is, you know, how does how does how does he guard his position? Is so, that? I mean, even with that fact that he's guarded guys like Malachi, I mean, he guard their best perimeter player on the on the defensive side while handling the majority of, I guess, possessions on the offensive side. He guarded guys like Malachi Flynn, the Harris kid from Nevada, and they still wonder though. I, I'm gonna tell you. Listen, I've I covered I covered the uh, the, the WAC slash Mountain West. I covered the NBA. It's unbelievable in the NBA how good these guys are. Mm. Like it's just like it's like you watch it on TV and you say, "Yeah, these guys are really good." Watching these guys in person, like these guys are unbelievable. I, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Kyle Collinsworth is an unbelievable basketball player. Unreal. And he's a fringe NBA player. Like it's 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 just really it's just it's just really startling how good these guys are. So, I mean, and that's not to say that that Sam won't be able to come in and guard. Um, I'm just saying I don't think Malachi Flynn's ever playing a possession in the NBA. And I think he's pretty good. Um, okay. But, but, you know, it'll be – but like I said, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Like, he, workouts would have been – so he, Sam is in such a unique position. And I'll say the same thing for Yoli Childs of BYU because what if there are no pre, pre-draft workouts? They've already canceled Portsmouth. They're gonna can't. They're probably gonna cancel the the combine, the the draft combine. So, for people like Sam and and, and Yoli, seniors who have to, uh, whose whose draft stock is probably gonna be contingent on how they do, uh, in, in workouts and, and in the pre and in the pre draft process, there might not be a pre draft process. So that's gonna that that's gonna put them in a really unique spot, and it's gonna be. Uh, a real issue for 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 both of those guys. Uh, what about uh, Namish Keda? Do you think that uh, he tested the NBA waters a year ago? Decided to come back. Is he a future NBA talent? I think he's looked at as a future NBA talent. I think you know, obviously, he's got um, he's very very athletic for a big. Um, he's very a very good rim protector. Um, you know, I think that he's got to he's got to extend his range to where he can consistently uh, knock down the perimeter shot. Uh, he's just got to keep being better. He's now his physical tools are are are, are there, um, but his game he's got to he's just got to keep getting better. I think he's probably going to declare for the draft um, because you know from everything I I. I heard he really wanted to come out last year, but you know he was he was advised um, by multiple teams to stay in school. Um, but you know he's just a guy that needs to keep uh, working on his craft, keep working on his his game. I think he should come out. 
because I think that even if he doesn't get drafted or if he gets drafted in the second round, somebody's going to give take somebody's going to give him a two way. Somebody's going to keep him around for a year to where they can develop him. Uh, and I think they, you know, I think that him, if he gets to the right team to where they have a real good player, a good player development program, um, I think he's going to get that'll give him a chance to stick. Hey, final question for me, Tony. I got to ask you. Eric and I were discussing if there was one during this little break of sports, if there's one game you could go back and watch from, okay, I'll give you two options. You're going to do NBA or any sport from a a classic game. What's the one game you would want to watch? Would Georgetown be involved? (laughs) Um, probably. <laughs> so I only get one game. You get one game from ESPN or whoever to air it for you, and that's the one game you get to watch over and over again. Okay, okay, I can do this. Um, Georgetown, North Carolina, two thousand seven regional final. I watched that one. I've missed this one. I was gone during this time. What what was this game about? Well, that was when Georgetown went to the Final Four. That was, um, Who was playing for Georgetown at the time? That was Jeff Green and Rudy Hibbert. Oh, oh, jeez. Um, and my 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 next one. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick one more. Just go ahead. I'm the guest. The the customer is always right. <laughs> <laughs> you always get a plus one. Yeah. Uh, Golden State. Even game seven, 2016. Oh my Ooh. gosh! Is that yeah the LeBron block? Hey, I, I gotta ask you. Like when you go back to the game, I was actually watching that game just the other day, and it still gives me chills. Like that whole entire fourth quarter just gives me chills. And I'm the biggest homer for Michael Jordan. Always have been. Always will be. But watching LeBron in that fourth quarter just spins your head sideways. It makes you rethink things in that regard, doesn't it? I mean, it didn't make me rethink things. I already, You're already I, on the I was, train. I was already on the train. Is, is <laughs> as good as Michael Jordan's train. Like he just needs to. He just needs a couple more titles to to really stake a claim. Um, but just you know, LeBron just kind of dominating that game, and Kyrie making obviously making a big shot. LeBron had, having a thirty point triple double. Um, Draymond Green almost having a 30-point triple-double. Um, you know, Cleveland coming back from double digits down. Um, the block on Iguodala. Um, nobody could score in the final three minutes, and it wasn't because it was bad basketball. It was just because the defenses were that both that good. Um, you know, it was, it was one of the classic games in NBA history, so I, I would definitely – I would definitely watch that one. But why over Jordan? Jordan was 6-0 and in finals. I'm sorry, but i got to have this conversation with you live on air since I've got you. 6-0 and in finals. Barkley, Stockton, Malone twice. Gary Payton, Magic Johnson, all are victims of this list. Why LeBron? So, I'll ask you two questions. Please. How many finals appearances did Jordan go into of those six where the Bulls were not the significantly better team? Uh, fair. I I, I, I still I think the Lakers zero. The Lakers in 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 ninety. 
the Lakers in '90 had a hobble James Worthy and had Magic Johnson, who was still good. Um, but you know, like Terry Teagle was in 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 that rotation. Vlade Divac was in the rotation. Um, you know, the Bulls were were the Bulls were better. They were much better. They were much better than the entire league. So that's that's so my thing is, and this is and this is beyond Mike because obviously Mike is the best player. He deserves all the accolades, and we're taking like LeBron out. LeBron's the best player. He deserves all the accolades. How many team? How many finals of the nine that LeBron's made that he's gone in where he's been the better team? Oh, zero. Wait, well, I guess three. Sorry, no, three. No, no, There's been a couple. I would say two. Miami with the Heat. Miami, Miami, Dallas in eleven, and Miami, Oklahoma City in twelve. I think the Spurs in thirteen were the better team. They were slightly better. They were much better in fourteen. And then every other finals, like LeBron was the significant underdog. So I would definitely agree with that. So when you have it's 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 hard to, it's hard to beat a team four to this isn't the NCAA tournament. Like if you're the better team going into an NBA series, you're probably gonna win that series. Because it's hard to beat a team four or seven times when you're just not better than that team. Um, so, you know, now where I would say, now where I would ding LeBron is he lost one of his finals where he was, he was definitely the better team. Like he was definitely the better team in 2011. They lost those finals. If you want to put Jordan over LeBron in one, one area, when Jordan was the better team, when Jordan had the better team, Jordan never lost. Now, when he didn't have the better team, he did lose. But that was always before the finals, so nobody ever talks about it. But you could probably argue that Jordan also had better coaching. Jordan always had better coaching. It's not even a question. Yeah. Uh, speaking I mean, of coaching, yeah, Bill Jackson. <laughs> uh, speaking of coaching, got a, a text that came in. Uh, curious about your opinion about uh, Ewing with the Georgetown. Is he the right guy? Mm. I like him. I think he. Obviously, I think he had a, a real setback this year where the entire program transferred out. Um, you know, but, I mean, what I was, as a Georgetown fan, what I was proud of was that the, the, the remaining five guys that he had, those guys all played hard for him. Like, they 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 visibly played hard. Um, you know, and I think that he's, um, I think that he's a good recruiter. Um, I think he's still learning his way uh, as an in-game coach, but um, I, I think that you know I think that he has a chance to. to I think he's going to give them a chance to turn it around. So I'm I'm on board. Uh, Tony, that's great stuff. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate you. You're the most famous person we've ever had on our show. So thank you, thank <laughs> you, thank you. you. Guys don't, listen, if you guys don't listen, I, all I am is somebody who kills flies at Maverick Stadium once upon a time. Ah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's Tony the Terminator. I forgot about that story. Oh, uh, yes. That. Tony, uh, <laughs> such damn good stuff, man. Thank you so much. Very, very much. Greatly appreciate it. Stay safe and uh, wish you the best. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, big guy. Take care.